Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, with us right now, we've got the CEO and founder of AWeber, the one, the only Tom Colzer. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. So this has to be kind of an exciting time for AWeber right now. It's an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Now, so AWeber is a, a pretty good size organization. You have about 150 people on the team. And so uh, most everybody working in the office, then all of a sudden, everybody's not working in the office. How does a company the size of AWeber make those adjustments? And I would imagine there's, you know, there's quite a few things that you're kind of figuring out in real time. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for us was making sure our team have appropriate workstations and like equipment at home to work and in a quiet environment so that they can concentrate. Um, so we sent out a survey before everybody went home about three weeks ago now, uh, give or take. And and it was pretty detailed in, do you have a desk? Do you have an external monitor? Do you have keyboards? Do you have mice? Like, do you have the staples of getting your job done? Do you have a, a comfortable seat to sit in? Mm. Like, that's not your couch or your bed because you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Um, and when we when we ended up, like, it was basically like a 48-hour period because things were moving so quickly at that time here in Pennsylvania. Um we had kind of 48 hours to like get everybody prepared and get them the equipment that they needed before we were all kind of sequestered in our homes. Yeah. Um, and we had people like, you know, bubble wrapping big, <laughs> you know, 27 inch <laughs> monitors and throwing them in their trunks. Wow. We sent people home with office chairs. So um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting transition. And so far, like, the work that we do mm -hmm. has been getting done really well overall. Like the team, you know, because we work so closely every day, um, those processes have worked really good. And we already had a flexible work environment to begin with. So we had team members that were working from home periodically already. Mm -hmm. It was just, there were only a handful of people that are full-time, you know, distributed work. Uh, whereas now it's the entire company is distributed work. I've literally not left my house in almost three weeks. That's amazing. Do you so. think, you know, while we're talking about this subject, um, I would imagine now where a lot of companies probably didn't have this as they're doing their SWOT analysis, they didn't have pandemic in their, in their threat box. Darn it. Oh, pandemic. No, Why didn't I really. think of that? <laughs> But now it yeah, is. It's now it's there. And now I think, you know, moving forward, everybody's like, look, this could happen again. It, we yeah. weren't, this really wasn't on the radar. Uh, but now being able to say, starting tomorrow, we're all distributed. And now we have an SOP for that. Uh, I, I would imagine that this would probably be something, of course, you know, we'll all be back in the offices before too long. Um, but I think, I think a lot of us are probably going to have that, that standard operating procedure ready to go so that those yeah. so that folks can distribute quickly. Yeah, I think having the necessary tools, being a you know kind of software company, digital company, like it's easier for our team to adopt new tools and so forth. But honestly, like we've used very few new tools. I'd say probably the newest ones is a lot of the like video conferencing stuff. Like internally we use Slack. So we're using the video chat there a lot with our teams. 
Um, and we use uh, Google Meeting quite a bit internally. Um, and probably the only new tool that we've really added to that quotient overall is Zoom. Um, we do that a lot as we're yeah. doing here today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but by and large, it's all the same toolkit uh, and, and everything is digital. Like if you look around at our team's desk, my, my desk included, like there's no paper. <laughs> so no, so it, it, really it makes nice. it easy to pick up and, and transfer. So Tom, can you kind of give me the, the AWeber story? Did you start this when you were in college? I did. Yeah, right in the middle of college. Um, so I was selling wireless modems back before we all had our, you know, iPhones <laughs> with high speed internet on it. Yeah. So the internet was still dial up at that time. Uh, so, you know, 56K was, was, was a thing at that point. And uh, I was uh, uh, a representative for a company that was selling wireless modems where you could get 19.2 was the kilobytes uh, was, was the download speed at the time. Yeah. So, really slow, but wireless, that was crazy fast. That was like mind numbing technology at the time. And I developed a, an automated follow-up email process for following up with the leads that I generated when I went to computer shows and such and was talking to people. Mm. And being in college, I needed a way to try to maximize the amount of time that I spent on college and minimize the amount of time that I spent on this revenue sales thing that I was doing. Right. And uh, I automated a series of email messages and, and went out over a period of uh, a couple of weeks that would answer people's questions and kind of elicit them to contact me about, you know, if they had questions and those sort of things. And it was a very, you know, it felt very personal. It was back before like marketing automation was really a thing. So it was right. kind of a novel thing. And most people didn't realize it was automated. Um, and it worked really well. And I shared it with a bunch of other people that were selling the same product around the country. And we would basically, um, like share sales tips, basically, like what worked, what knowledge-based articles we were sending people and, and, you know, what questions we were asking and like how we got the sale most effectively. Um, so I ended up, I, I changed majors from uh, mechanical engineering to finance. And during that process, I ended up stop, I stopped selling the, the wireless modems. <laughs> and so I stopped running the software that I was running and all these people that I was working with before, like, Hey, can I get that software thing again? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't exist. Like there's no tool out there. I built this just for me. And I was like, hmm, maybe I can charge for this right. because they were saying like, I'll, I'll pay for it. Cause they weren't paying for it before. I was like, yeah, one thing led to another. I was busting tables in an olive garden and running a software company sounded more interesting and, and more challenging. Uh, so it was kind of where, where AWeber was born from. So it was originally automated web assistant. You can't really shorten that to AWeb, AWeb ass, you know, and that's, that's not an appropriate <laughs> company name. It roll off the tongue so as it, well. It kind of got tweaked to AWeber-er and, yeah. and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> so, okay. and the A and the W are capitalized because it was automated web. It was kind of two yeah. words. Um, and so, the W looks cooler capitalized. <laughs> so with lots of other SaaS platforms kind of jumping into the, uh, the environment over the past, um, now it's been, gosh, since 98, let me do some quick math on there. 22 years. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Um, so where has AWeber found their, um, position in the marketplace in, in might be a noisy marketplace. It's definitely noisy. You know, I, I've seen dozens of competitors kind of rise and then kind of fall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think uh, like really the foundation of what we do, like everybody can build some level of software, mm -hmm. but I think it's the, the educational process in and how we support our customers is different than a lot of others. 
uh, approaches. Like we yeah. actually have people that answer the phone. Um, we actually have people that are there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, and, and it's because like our small business customers are literally all over the world. And, you know, some are running their regular business, you know, during the day and others are, have a side hustle that they're doing in the evenings. So like support hours aren't really normal for anybody. So it's being able to, you know, understand our customers' problems and solve it for them and, and use the, the software and the technology that we're building to, to do that. So I think that there's, there's a, a lot of other companies that offer similar software. Obviously, everybody's is different to a degree, mm-hmm. but like a piece of software is pretty useless if you can't use it to solve your own problems. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and that's really where we've kind of developed kind of that cult following of, of folks that like really know that we're, we're there for them and understanding their business and trying to solve the problems in the, in the most unique way possible. I can speak firsthand having used a competitor's product and you're absolutely right. The support was just terrible. It was, it was, it was the only company that I've ever, I've ever worked with where the support was actually demeaning to you if you didn't understand something about their platform. <laughs> How can this be real? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's kind of the state of support in most places these days. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do I talk to my customer the least? Mm -hmm. And now, like, obviously, we're not calling every single customer every day to check in with them. But it's, you know, we're here, we're accessible, and we do also do a lot of proactive outreach. Mm -hmm. And, like, usually, like, we spend probably the first 60 seconds of most, like, proactive outreach calls being like, hey, we're not trying to sell you anything more. We're just trying to make sure that you're using the service to the best that you can and you're getting the most value. Because, like, so many people are programmed to think, like, oh, you're calling me? That must mean you want more money. Right, right. (laughs) So, uh, so one, one question I have is, um, in terms of deliverability, how have you seen deliverability evolve or devolve over the past 20 years? I'd say if you're playing by the rules, it's, it's, um, it has evolved and is, and is definitely better than ever personally. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of a lot of businesses still don't do email right. Mm. And it's not hard to do it right. They yeah. just either don't know better or they're trying to take shortcuts. Um, and, and the biggest thing around email deliverability in 2020 is think of engagement. Think of, are, are my recipients getting the email, opening the email, interacting with it in some way, clicking on links, filing it away in a folder to save it for later, um, replying to it and actually engaging with the business that sent it. Um, or the person that sent it, those are the people that are going to get your emails in the inbox. Now, if I, let's just say I have a hundred people that I'm communicating with regularly via my email marketing channel. If 98% of them, when I get, when I send them an email, they hit delete. Over time, the algorithms that the mailbox providers like Google and, you know, Microsoft and Verizon and others use says like, hey, these guys send emails all the time and, mm. and no one ever like actively engages with them. So like, even though you might have requested those emails at one point in time and given permission to send them, you're not engaged with them anymore. So they're not going to continue to put them in your inbox. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to your spam folder. So it's about kind of curating the subscribers and the people that you're ultimately sending your messages to and making sure that you're sending engaging content that they want and that they engage with, um, you know, people that, you know, how many businesses that you get emails from that have no reply at 
you know, ex at yeah. company.com. Right. Like, I literally got three of them this morning that I needed to yeah. interact with their business. And it's like, right. you're basically, I, I, I made a tweet the other day uh, about, you know, businesses using no reply emails. And it's basically like people giving you the finger. It's yeah. like, give me your money but don't talk to me. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. That's not the kind of relationship that you should want to have right. with your customers. Um, so it's, it's simple things like that. And it really boils down to overall engagement and making sure that those people want what it is that you're sending and are interacting with it and finding value from it. Yeah. Uh, so here's, uh, and I'm, I'm curious about your opinion on this. So, uh, you know, in our quest to send engaging emails, a couple of things that, that we've really done, and I'd, I'd love your take on this, uh, is, I'm just really hesitant to do any selling in, in email. I, I look at email as relationship building and just try to just give as much as possible um, and just trust that our audience is smart enough. Like if I can get them onto that next thing, then that's where I can tell story about how we could potentially do work together. But I'm really hesitant to throw a buy now button in front of their face, unless it really is like, you know, our relationship is such that I'm sending them, I'm sending them special offers all the time. And, you know, that's why they subscribe. Like there's, I, you know, there's like one restaurant and they send really good coupons. So I'm always going to be on that email list because I like yeah. going to that restaurant and I love their high value coupons. Um, what's your opinion of, of that? I think that it's, it's, it's a, it's a balance. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people are subscribing in order to solve some sort of a problem. They, mm. They're not just, you know, hey, I think he's cute. Like I want to get their emails all the time. You know, it's like they, they have some sort of problem to solve each time. Um, and, and I think that having an offer in there that is in line with the content and the value that you're providing that is also going to solve some problem. Like you've got some free set of content that uh -huh. solves a portion of it, but there might be some paid component that like can solve that problem even better. Don't be afraid to show that to people. Um, you know, actually one of the, the things that I was poking around with before our, our call today um, was uh, I was just poking around at your website and like how, how businesses offer, you know, and make available the opportunity to subscribe to their newsletters. Mm. And it's like, I was poking around on your blog and there's a ton of great content on there. Yeah. I couldn't find a way to sign up for your email list. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> the thing that we've, we've kind of gone back and forth on. And, um, you know, in terms of, so y y there's a lot of other offers. So for example, you know, watching our free video series. Well, when you opt into that, obviously that, and we'll d continue to deliver high value Sure. there but here's a here's one question i have though is is that good enough to say join our free newsletter like that doesn't feel really compelling to me like i feel like again just like what you mentioned in the actual email like you know promise to deliver them something of immediate value is probably in my opinion a much better call to action yeah. what if you one of the one of, one of the best ways to do that is we all have evergreen content in our business. Yes. So meaning content that we've created once, I might've written it five years ago, I might've written it 10 years ago, and it's still just as relevant today as it was five or 10 years ago when I wrote it. So that's what they call evergreen content. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to deliver value and get people to sign up for your list is like list out a couple bullet items of things that they can learn by signing up today. So like tip sheets or downloads, you know, top 10 ways to, um, you know, increase your business or some, some, some tangible things and create those as like the first part of your email sequence. 
and then have the ongoing mail that they get after that be like your regular blog posts. Mm. Um, so you can set up automation that delivers these first like five or 10 or maybe 15 emails that are kind of evergreen content that are like the most popular blog posts that you've ever made or, yeah. you know, stuff that people have told you is the most valuable for them. They tend to surface um, on all of our websites. Like I'm sure you, you, you could list off a half a dozen that, yeah. that are, are super popular. Um, those are great content to kind of, you know, tease the value of. And even though it's on your blog, people haven't discovered it. And when you mm. make that as a part of your, your you know, your opt-in process, um, or your opt-in, up, you know, sell is, 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 you know, they're much more likely to subscribe then versus like, just get my updates. Like, mm. how compelling is that? And, yeah, right. and, you know, I totally agree with you there. So similarly, one of the interesting things is on, on a newsletter opt-in like that, um, you know, a lot of folks will put like, you know, they have the little hover forms and those sort of things in there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like the very first thing that hits you when you go to somebody's yeah. website for the very first time. It's like, I don't even know who you are yet. Like, uh, you know, I need to, I need to sort out whether your content is like, let me read a blog post, like put the subscribe forms at the bottom. They don't need to be right at the top. You know, yeah. it's like, Hey, I just read all your content. This is really good stuff. I want to get more of this. Mm. I'm going to sign up there. Put your compelling offer for what somebody should opt in for. Right now. So now once somebody hits that and they enter their name and email address, there's what, when you hit submit and you get subscribed, um, we often, there's, there's like a thank you page, like a thank you for subscribing page. And oftentimes most people's sites, that's just like a, Hey, thanks for subscribing. Go, you know, click and confirm in your email. Um, that page is usually a dead end on most people's website. That right. can actually be one of the top converting oh. pages of your site as far as like upselling some sort of product yeah. because they've, they've established that they value what it is that you're doing. They understand the problem set that you're, that you're hopefully solving for them. And they're more than like, they've already basically given you their email address, which is a big thing, um, especially these days. So like, Asking, you know, or offering something in additional that's a value that you can sell to them can can generate a tremendous amount of new revenue. That if yeah. if you have a blank thank you page that's not oh, trying to sell I, anything, like you're just opportunity. Now, you know, I 10, 20, that, 30% revenue. Right. Hopefully I'm not doing that. I don't think I am, but boy, if I am. Couldn't find a way to subscribe. Because the way you explain it, Tom, uh, I, I, I would be awfully embarrassed if I was missing that opportunity. I couldn't find um, so, a way to subscribe on your blog, so I couldn't even find the thank you page yeah, to check. Okay. I was right, looking. I couldn't find one. I'm, I'm absolutely coachable. We'll, we will have a conversation <laughs> about Yeah, and it's been one of those things that's been on our, uh, on our list of things to do for oh, yeah, quite some yeah. time is that, that in, context, uh, in, in context, what is it that we can give uh, immediate, you know, what's the next layer of immediate value that we can give based on yeah. that personalized as well? And I would imagine AWeber is really great in, in being able to deliver that, that, uh, that, that personal, like people can create uh, a ton of different um, first emails based on which form they use. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And depending on like which form they came from, which advertising campaign they came from, how you tag them when they came in, you can kick off all kinds of different things. That's, um, that's great. You know, depending like where, what, what part of the world they came from. Are they from the US? Are they from France? Are they from wherever they happen to be? Like you can target it a, a number of different ways and show different content. So do you think really do you think that the uh, the pandemic and the economic uh, reaction to that do you think that that's going to impact email marketing in any way I can tell you that uh it certainly impacted social media marketing in a huge way uh, but I'm curious if email has been 
touched. Yeah, we've, you know, I'm sure your inbox has been full of businesses announcing in some way they're doing something different. You know, like two, three weeks ago, I was telling people to do that to an extent when it was relevant to their businesses um, and to their customers. Um, Because like, you know, uh, like, for example, for us, like us having all our team work from home, like no one cares as long as they get their support questions answered and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and what we basically announced to most of our customers is like how to do their own announcements and whether or not they were relevant. Um, So at this point, kind of three weeks into the, the, you know, the kind of meat of, of the issue that we're going on around the country and around the world, you know, I'm telling most places, like if you haven't already sent some sort of coronavirus email to your customers, it's not relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Don't say Um, you know, for a while it's back down to about 15% of our email traffic is kind of coronavirus related keywords and so forth. It was Mm -hmm. as high as 20%. Mm -hmm. Um, and the ramp up, it's, it almost matches the, uh, the like infections at this point, which is (laughs) kind of scary and weird statistic. Um, but I think that, you know, from an email marketing overall impact, um, the we're seeing engagements uh, be higher than they were before, meaning like more people are opening and clicking mail than they were because everybody's planted at home. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anything to do. Like, you know, I talked to my friends and they're like, Oh, you know, I got to go. It's like, where are you going, dude? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, so the, you know, those type of engagements, people are doing a lot more learning now than they have been in the past. So like educational courses, Mm -hmm. Um, we ran a webinar yesterday um, on our, some of our new landing page features, and it had twice the attendance rate percentage as we've historically seen. And they're pretty consistent over time. And like, it was almost double what what it normally is. So like people have the time to educate themselves on things that they might not have otherwise had time to do before. And I've seen this. I've seen a number of tweets where people are talking about similar statistics. So I know we're not just like this weird abnormality. Um, Tom, is that webinar still available? I, I, I want to lead people to AWeber and, and give them something that they can engage with. What would you recommend? Um, I would check out our, like, I think most relevant right now is uh, if you go to blog.aweber.com, uh, we have an eight-step guide up there for email marketing during a crisis. So, like, mm-hmm. if you are going to be sending coronavirus email, things that you should be thinking about and addressing and, like, kind of the, like, if then, like, if we're doing this, like, then we should send an email. If we're doing this, like, no, we shouldn't send an email. Um, to, to help kind of people be, be relevant to, to what they're doing and make sure that they are sending people, sending emails to people that actually want them because if they get it and they're just like, oh, not another one of these, like, yeah, I know you're doing your best and you're thinking of everybody and like, you know, the things that all the business emails say, it's like, we all mean it. We all know it. It's like, you don't need to be repetitive. I don't need to hear from every business I've done business with yeah. for the last 15 years. It's like, right. that's just real. So I hear you. Awesome. Well, Tom Kulzer, uh, again, founder and CEO of AWeber, of course, on the web at aweber.com. You've, you've been there. Like most people have, <laughs> are very familiar with AWeber, uh, particularly in this world. Uh, so, Tom, thank you so much. This was awesome. Again, congratulations. Uh, you know, your, your brand is a fixture in, in the marketing world. So thank you for creating such a great product and, and improving email marketing. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, every, and, and again, congratulations for your success in growing and scaling such a profitable, successful company. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been fun today, Josh. 
Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.